Hello there and a very warm welcome to episode 48 of the Frantic Football podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Shelat and as ever it's a Monday so that means it is time to look back on all the fixtures and results from the weekend certainly all the big ones. This was the last weekend of the 2022-23 season in terms of club football. Mostly there's a few games left to be fair. but i'm considering this the last cuz i am tired uh, it's been over 310 days since this season started and yeah it's about to end and i can't wait for it to end honestly although there is a lot of stuff to look forward to as well in case anyone uh, will be missing the football but obviously on monday what we do is we look back on what happened on the weekend so let me tell you what happened we had three champions league finals we had one world cup final we had one or two cup finals we had a number of playoffs especially promotion relegation playoffs and european playoffs as well and we already had a bunch of transfers even though the window is just about opening so yeah a lot has happened and i guess we'll we'll go through all of that Right, let's start with our Champions League finals. Obviously, the big one, the headline-grabbing one, was the UEFA Champions League final between Manchester City and Inter, which Manchester City won one nil. Uh, you, you, I mean, you've heard more than enough about this already, I'm sure. Uh, Rodri with the goal, Manchester City's first Champions League title, first uh, treble for them as well, and yeah, good, good for them, I guess. And Inter coming really close to their first Champions League since 2010. but not really pulling it off in the end i do of course have to give a shout out at this point to alex who sadly couldn't join us today but he predicted that inter would win the champions league pretty early on i think maybe was it like around the round of 16 or quarter finals certainly very early on at that time they were pretty bad in the league as well i might add so he got, I mean, he rather he got, he got rather laughed at for that prediction but he was so close to it being true but either way a great shout from him and bah, shame it didn't come off in the end but anyway let's move on to the bigger champions league final certainly the better and the more entertaining champions league final which was in egypt el ahli and vidat casablanca going at it again for the second year in a row last year was a one off final uh, in in morocco in casablanca at the star, star mohammed uh, 5 is is that what they say but this year we were playing we were back rather uh, to the two legged format so we had the first leg of course last week as we discussed where el ahli won 2-1 at home but this second leg was again in in morocco in casablanca and obviously this time we had a deficit to overturn but that away goal from the first leg meant that a 1-0 win would be enough for them uh, obviously if they held on and at at first they did, they did score the opener they scored within about 28 minutes i'd say so it was looking good for them at the time uh, but then obviously you know that obviously flipped the tide on his head so el uh, ali were sort of more defensive at the start but then they had to 
you know start chasing that goal and ultimately they did find it in the 78th minute uh it was the center back mohammed abdul monem who abdul monem sorry who scored from a set piece much like how vidat casablanca did and with that he he restored al ahli's lead on aggregate and uh, ultimately that was enough for them to see out the win and to lift a, re- a record extending 11th caf champions league title obviously there's a lot of talk about manchester city doing the treble but i think al ahli have a really good chance of doing it as well uh, this year in africa they will almost certainly win the league they are second at the moment two points behind pyramids fc but they have played six fewer games because of this champions league campaign and the club world cup campaign before that so they are almost surely going to win that they did lift the cup earlier this year but that was sort of a delayed final of the 21 22 edition they're in the round of 32 of the 22 23 cup so i guess technically they have to win that to complete the treble uh, but either way i mean obviously they won it and they're the best side in egypt for sure right now so you know you you expect them to do it again but i think i guess suppose that's something to look out for and something to wait quite a while for i mean these guys are going to have their their uh, season go on till the end of july basically so yeah it's fair thought for them <laughs> i i don't know how much of a break they're going to get but uh, well let's see right anyway um what else do we have we had another jams league final well not technically a final actually i i i think i advertised that incorrectly but we did have another champions league uh, con- well champions league winner decided and this uh, was well, uh, quite a historic one because it was the first ofc women's champions league and we do have so it was i think it was played over just a week i believe uh, in with just one group with what five teams and Oh, I I hear I I think according to Wikipedia there were originally six teams meant to split into two groups of three and then a final between the two winners, uh, but uh, one of the teams pulled out. Eastern Suburbs pulled out of the competition uh, before after the draw was done. Uh, so then it was just five teams, five teams from five different uh, oceanic countries, and they basically played a round robin ac- across just over a couple of weeks. uh from the start of june to now uh in papua new guinea the teams uh were so the winners in fact were as academy from uh, new caledonia which i believe makes them also the first new caledonian winners of an ofc champions league uh, so well done to them they won all four of their games they only needed a draw here uh, but they they managed to do better than that they won all four of their games uh the other four teams were hekari united finishing second uh, from papua new guinea so sort of home tournament for them koloale uh, from solomon islands finished third on 6 points labasa from fiji finished uh, fourth on 3 points and kiwi of samoa sadly lost all four of their games so they finished last with well they did score one goal but they shipped 22 so not a good good tournament for them but uh, that's great to see of course the first ofc women's champions league hopefully next year we'll have uh, all, all the teams uh, coming in and we'll have a proper final as well which will be the first final so let's see how that goes I'm looking forward to that uh, but okay that is all for our champions league finals let's talk about the world cup final i mentioned that's of course the under 20 uh, men's world cup in argentina which featured first time finalists Italy 
against Uruguay, who had been in a couple of finals in the past, including one fairly recently. But they too do not did not rather have any trophies to their name. But as I alluded to, they were the ones who won one nil in the end. A fairly late goal scored uh, to 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 get this win. After, but I mean certainly an entirely deserved win on the balance of play because Italy looked totally outplayed. Um, to be fair, Uruguay did not create that many chances, and in, in that sense, I think it was fitting that the winner from Luciano Rodriguez was. A rather scrappy goal after a set piece, which he sort of headed in after a scrap in the box and the ball bouncing around in five different places and stuff. So, a fitting in that sense, but Uruguay absolutely in control. Italy didn't really have a look in when they had the ball, and even when they even when they were defending, they tended to defend a lot deeper than Uruguay did. So they absolutely look second best, even though I think. For most of the tournament before this, Italy faced much tougher op- opposition than Uruguay, and arguably looked slightly better than them. Even they beat the likes of Brazil in that opener. That was a real statement win. And then in the knockouts, they've beaten. I think they had England. They also beat a South Korea side in the semi-final, who were unbeaten up to that point. Uh, so they they did look pretty good. But uh, Uruguay, meanwhile, had much relatively simpler opposition in the sense that. They lost to England in their group. Won the other two games comfortably against Iraq and Tunisia. Uh, then you look at their knockouts. They had the Gambia, who were yes impressive, but obviously not really fancied. Uh, the USA, who uh, weren't exactly the most impressive side at the tournament. They had a really simple group, um, and and didn't really look good there. And in the semi-final, they had Israel, who were definitely surprise packages of the tournament. I made a historic run to the semis, but couldn't quite pull it off. In the end, and of course now Italy in the final one nil win, so that's Uruguay's first title. <laughs> Many fans must celebrate it. Certainly, it was the best attended match of the World Cup, even more than Argentina's group matches. Thirty eight thousand, over thirty eight thousand rather, in attendance at La Plata. Many, I suspect, would have made the journey from Uruguay, and well, many uh, from Argentina, all around Argentina, might have bought tickets uh, earlier on as well. So Uruguay win the under twenty World Cup. Uh, well done to them. All right, let's move on to a couple of uh, other finals, domestic finals, uh, cup finals. That is, uh, we had in Turkey besides the the Champions League, uh, the UEFA Champions League, of course. Uh, we also had the cup final the following day. It was Fenerbahce against Istanbul Başakşehir. Başakşehir looking for their first ever cup title. Fenerbahce looking to recover from the disappointment they suffered in the title race in the league where they lost out. Two local rivals Galatasaray, and it was Fenerbahce who came away with a comfortable two-nil win. Um, Mishi Bachuai with both the goals, including the first in just about a minute, slipped in by Arda Güler, who's a real sensation. Uh, just about 18 years old, the Turkish youngster, lauded as perhaps one of the brightest talents in the country. Um, and with that, with those two goals in under half an hour, Fenerbahce were absolutely in control. Bishakshir made a triple change. In the 34th minute, which is pretty unprecedented, I think the only similar thing I can remember was the World Cup final, of course. But as I recall, that was probably a double change, wasn't it? Uh, but anyway, they they tried their best to change the game, but they only ended up with one shot altogether. So they clearly didn't do too well. Um, and so Fenerbahce lifted their first major trophy since 2014, so quite a while for them. 
and uh, elsewhere in Russia also we had a cup final uh, Krasnodar against Siska Moscow uh, Krasnodar looking for their first ever major title i believe uh, uh, but they couldn't quite match it they lost out to Siska on penalties so Siska Moscow win the Russian cup right let's move on to our playoffs now uh, let's go to Italy first where we had a couple uh, including a rather surprise one in Serie A we had uh, Elas Verona against Spezia as we discussed uh, last week uh, because both those sides finished 17th and 18th level on points so it was a playoff that would decide that uh, which side was going to stay up and which side was going to get relegated and in the end it was Elas Verona who stayed up with a 3-1 win uh, pretty pretty exciting first half here fair few goals flying in I think it was 2-1 at halftime as I recall but certainly the big moments uh, well sorry it was 3-1 Cyril Ngonge uh, with a brace for Elas Verona in the first half so it was 3-1 by halftime already but the, the big moment really perhaps a decisive moment in the match uh, actually came in about the 68th minute when uh, Davide Faraoni was sent off for Elas Verona for a really really silly handball on the goal line um, I, I don't know what he was thinking there but I don't think anyone does um, but maybe just you know in the heat of the moment he sort of messed up but uh, Ambal and Zola stepped out to take the penalty for Spezia uh, to work. if he'd scored it would have been 2-3 and they'd have a numerical advantage with 20 minutes left so you'd fancy them to at least get a draw but he missed he rather had it saved and after that Spezia obviously threw the kitchen sink at it hit the, hit the woodwork a couple of times did all sorts of stuff uh, but did not score again so it was just not that day really and Alas Verona then stay up Spezia relegated they will be replaced in Serie A by obviously the team who won the Serie B promotion playoff between Bari and Cagliari uh, this was a second leg tie at the home of Bari uh, where there was a real real sellout crowd at the Stadio San Nicola and Bari's team bus before the match uh, came on and did a full lap off the pitch so it was it was quite something uh, something I certainly I haven't seen before but they did a full lap of the pitch about a couple of hours before the match and the stadium was already full almost so you, you can tell it's a huge huge match for them uh, it was 1-1 from the first leg and the Serie B uh, playoff tiebreaker as we discussed last week is a league table position after 90 minutes or rather 180 on aggregate so as things stood basically Bari were going through and they did sort of come out to play for a draw to be honest with you they didn't really impose themselves on the game but happily defended and did pretty well to be honest but there was late late twist in the tail because in the fourth minute of stoppage time substitute striker Leonardo Pavoletti for Cagliari came uh, headed home from close range after cross to obviously win the game win the tie and win promotion for them so they're bouncing straight back up to Serie A Bari missed the chance to do back-to-back promotions and they'll be in Serie B next season and I mean for Cagliari it's a it's an amazing story they obviously were relegated last year didn't really get off a good start to Serie B honestly uh, I think at the turn of the year they were much closer to the relegation battle than promotion and that's when Claudio Ranieri took over obviously Claudio, Claudio Ranieri himself uh, having well, a great story really for him too because he made his name at Cagliari 
in the late 1980s when he won back-to-back promotions with them from Serie C to Serie A. So that's really when he made his name as a manager. Uh, and obviously he's gone on to all sorts of places since. But he came back at the start uh, of the year when... At the return of the year rather when obviously they were in a not very good position. And now he's taking them back up to Serie A. And it was some lovely scenes at full time. I'll link that in the thread below. Uh, you know, like right after he was basically crying he was hugging his assistant and just in tears so a lovely sight to see obviously Claudio Ranieri now well over 70 years old uh, and and he's I guess he still got it obviously I suspect he will stay uh, in charge of them as they as they well probably battle for safety in Serie A so let's see how they go there uh, we also had a promotion playoff in Portugal in the Primera Liga which were, I think, for fans of island clubs in major European top flights, which has to be a very niche fandom. But I have not a good result for them, because obviously from the Primera Liga, Santa Clara were relegated. So that was one island club gone. And the other, uh, Maritimo of Madeira, were in danger here. They were playing this relegation playoff. And they were trailing on aggregate. This was in Madeira. They were 2-1 down on aggregate, so they needed... To win by at least a goal to take us to extra time. Uh, they did score early on, but conceded fairly early as well. Uh, so it was 1-1 by half time. And then there was late drama here too. In the 96th minute, uh, Maritimo scored the, the winning goal on the night and the equalizer obviously on aggregate to take us off to extra time. Uh, fans absolutely bouncing, lovely atmosphere. Uh, obviously nothing happened in extra time. Uh, again, potentially shouldn't have played it. But anyway, uh, we went off to penalties and in, in very interestingly, this was one of the, f- I, I guess one of the very few things where the final score was greater than the penalty score. I mean, the aggregate final score, to be fair, it was 3-3 on aggregate and it was only 2-3 on penalties because Marichimo missed two and had one saved. So, uh, Esera the Amadora only needed to score three and they did that within four attempts. Uh, and so Estrella da Amadora will be a Primera Liga side next season. Interesting story from their point of view too. They were, I mean, the current version of the club was only founded in 2020 after a merger. But the original club was founded in like 1932. Uh, last in the, the Primera Liga in 2009. Went bankrupt in 2011. Uh, and then obviously they were gone but fans founded a sort of phoenix club which didn't really do much just hung around the lower leagues then in 2020 that phoenix club merged with another club in the third tier uh, to form this which is effectively the successor of Estre- of the original Estrella da Amadora but I don't think they have their titles and stuff to their name so it's an interesting it's an interesting one be- I think probably because of the involvement of that second club uh, and well yeah now, now they'll be in the top flight so let's see how they go next year first time since the 1980s I think that the Liga Portugal a top flight other will not have a team from any island all mainland clubs there so ah, well a shame but I guess good uh, good, good for all the other players and, and good for the environment I guess that they don't have to make so many long journeys uh, well where else let's go on uh, we had another playoff in the Netherlands uh, not much drama here unfortunately Almes City FC against Etze Emen uh, for a spot 
in uh, the Eredivisie next season. And this was a pretty smooth sailing for uh, Almer City. Uh, FCMN were 2-0 down on the first leg. And they conceded twice here too early in the second half. I uh, did pull one back just a, a fairly quickly, but uh, well, never really close to doing anything. So uh, 4-1 on aggregate. They lost their going down to uh, the S Divisie again. And it is going to be Almer City FC, as I said, in the Eredivisie for the first time ever, I believe. Only founded as recently as 2001. Uh, got up to the S Divisie in, I think, 2005, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then that was that. They were stuck around there. Obviously, relegation also uh, gone. I mean, not in effect in the S Divisie for the last few years. I'm not sure where they've been finishing, but that was not a threat but now finally they will be win uh, they will be rather in the eredivisie i should add they were founded rather as epse omniworld which is a very interesting name uh, and now they changed their name to 2010 uh, because there was a partnership uh, a group behind their founding and someone pulled out so it's alma city now uh, and they will be in the Eredivisie for the first time next season. I should add, FC Omniworld had a very interesting logo, which I will be sure to link because that is quite something. Graphic design is my passion, is what is sort of vibes it's giving. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, take a look at that. Anyway, uh, other stuff in the Netherlands was the European uh, Europa Conference League playoff, where I, I was glad to see FC Twente winning. Uh, so they'll be in Europe next season, just a couple of years after uh, they were, uh, well not a couple, a few years, I think it's four, uh, after they were in the Air Divisie. So great to see that. Obviously they were in the playoffs last year as well, finishing fourth in fact, but missed out and lost out. This time they finished fifth and they won. Uh, they beat uh, Sparta Rotterdam in this playoff final. Um, obviously, a, a two-legged affair on aggregate again. So one one in the first leg and one nil here. Uh, Joshua Brennett scoring the winner, and yeah, it's it's, it's just a, a great great result for them. They've been really fun to watch over the last couple of years, especially when I've been following them. Uh, Ron Jans has them playing some very good football, very attractive football, and they're getting results clearly fourth and fifth, and they'll be well certainly the European qualifiers uh, next year and hopefully in, in a group stage as well so let's see how that goes for them but a great result for them uh, for Sparta as well this might mean something I guess I'll just plug this in now a uh, manager Maurice Stein is being linked pretty strongly with Ajax so that might have been his last match for them so they just about pissed out on Europe would have been a lovely send-off but apparently obviously not confirmed but looks like he is off to Ajax so let, let's keep an eye on that uh, we also had a European playoff uh, in Austria, where Austria Luce, now newly promoted, were looking to qualify for Europe for what would have been the first time ever, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Certainly the first time in a long time. They did hold on to a 1-1 draw in the first leg, it's in fact in the League 2, but sadly in the second leg, things went bad for them. They got a player sent off in the 17th minute, the se- one of their centre-backs, and then they shipped five. So, yeah. <laughs> rather, well, rather anticlimactic and for them Austria Wien 
taking that will be in Europe next season. Obviously, they were in the Championship group, um, and these guys are still loose now, coming up from the relegation group to play this match. But well, didn't quite work out for them. So yep, Austria have been also in Europe. So all the top five from the Championship group will be in Europe from Austria next season. And we also had a similar sort of playoff in Denmark, relegation group versus promotion group team. Uh, we had a local derby too. Uh, at Midland from the relegation group against Viborg from the, the top top six. And this was obviously also for uh, European spot. This was a one-off playoff. And it was uh, Midland who succeeded at the home of Viborg. Aral Simsir getting a winner in the 66th minute on Friday night, this one, to take Midland to Europe next season. Viborg miss out, even though they've had a very impressive campaign. They obviously won this playoff from the relegation group last year uh, to qualify for Europe. Obviously, the, the Europa Cup uh, playoffs where they went on to West Ham, I believe. Uh, and uh, I guess you win some, you lose some. They, they, they benefited from the uh, relegation group spot last year and they lost out this year. That, that's how it is. But yeah, Midland in Europe, so I guess a success for Thomas Thomasberg who uh, took over after, I think, they moved to the relegation group. So he didn't really have much to play for. Obviously, they were overwhelming favourites to get in uh, to this spot and they did with a fair bit of comfort in the end. Although it did go down to the wire, Obe pushed them uh, a long way. So I, I, they were kept on their toes and yeah, they will be in Europe. Obviously, they did hope probably to at least be in the Europa League, but it is something. So let's see how they go there. Right, I think that's all I've got actually in terms of matches for you. But I do have, as I alluded to, a fair bit of transfer news, completed transfers at that. Where do we start? Mm, let's start with uh, Orkun Kirkju to Benfica for 25 million euros, I believe, which would be a club record transfer for Benfica. Uh, but a fantastic signing, nevertheless, because Kirkju is, of course, a very good player. Won the league with Feyenoord this year. Uh, as I think their captain, certainly a key figure in central midfield for them. And obviously Benfica uh, looking to replace probably Enzo Fernandes, who I mean, they didn't really sign anyone, did they, after he left Chelsea for big, big money uh, in the, the winter transfer window, the recent one. So I guess that's what this is. And if that is what this is, then this is very good. I mean, they made close to 100 million euros, give or take. Uh, and obviously they, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess you have to say, Enzo Fernandez probably has the potential to be a level above Kirkju, uh, but right now they're fairly similar, they're at fairly similar level, maybe I'd argue. But either way, it's not a huge drop-off, it's not a 100 million euro drop-off, so a pretty good deal, I think, for Benfica, who continue doing smart business, so I'm sure they'll sell him on for a bunch of um, bunch of euros in a couple of years as well. He's only 22. I think it's easy to forget because he, he's he been playing for a fair few years now. I think since 2018, he broke through at Feyenoord. So, yeah, pretty impressive. Great move for them. Right, uh, midfielders moving around. Uh, we also have Yuri Telemans go to Aston Villa, leaving Leicester City at the end of, I think, his current... Con- uh, uh, leaving Leicester City on a free, rather. Um, so, 
that's obviously it's he shown real promise of being a great player didn't really stand out this season but i guess you know lester really bad so obviously not many players would have stood out uh, and yeah let's see how he goes at fill a smart move from them uh, let's go elsewhere now out of europe uh, not out of europe out of england rather where we've had a club uh, record breaking transfer in well, from bulgaria to belgium as Igor Thiago is moving to Club Brugge for a record 8 million uh, euro fee which is a record for the Bulgarian league as a whole or indeed Bulgaria as a whole so that's a really exciting transfer for all involved there and indeed for Club Brugge who I am not sure why uh, they are looking for a striker to be honest they do have Ferran Yutkla who's doing pretty impressively spending 8 million on a striker unless they want to play a two striker system or something is i don't know but i mean obviously there's a possibility where ferran yutkla moves on as well can't rule that out but either way uh, igor tiago pretty impressive at ludo goretz uh, 20 goals in 55 matches from last march decent return just 21 years old um, fired them to the title this season i think as the league's top scorer But there are question marks over him as well, I guess. Obviously, the Bulgarian league not a very high level. He didn't really impress at Cruzeiro in Brazil, even in the outside the top flight, outside Serie A. So yeah, it's I don't know. Let's see how it goes. But either way, a, a great transfer for obviously Bulgarian football in terms of the record. So let's see how that goes. Right, uh, more stuff in Belgium. Uh, Paul Gaikens has moved. from uh, Royal Antwerp to Ghent very interestingly we have seen be not Paul Gerken sorry Peter Gerken my man uh, 20 years old fairly pretty experienced central midfielder and with over 100 appearances for uh, Antwerp over 80 for Anderlecht and over 35 for Ghent so he's been around a fair few places and i guess for ghent it's 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 a good move to get some more experience in their midfield they do have few good options but i guess a player like gerkens who can play a fair few positions around midfield can only help them so they'll obviously be charging or well rather hoping to put a charge for um, the top four at least this uh, next season i guess that, that, that that's a step in the right direction for them uh, we also had a very nice and very interesting move and one which Uh, all our Australian followers will certainly like a lot, which was Aiden O'Neill going to Standard Liège from Melbourne City. I think a free transfer. This was at the end of his contract, but it's 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 becoming a pipeline, isn't it? Uh, a league to Belgium. We've had a fair few moves. I can think of um, obviously Jordan Boss was in it from in fact from Melbourne City to Westerlo. I have completely blanked, but I'm sure there was another player who I recently talked about. So yeah, the A League to Belgium is sort of become a transfer pipeline, and it's great to see. Certainly, the A League is one with many talents who do, who are certainly of the level to get into Europe and deserving of the opportunity if they want it. And it certainly seems Aiden O'Neill wants it. Just twenty four years old, so he still has a fair way to go. And he's obviously been great for Melbourne City this year, uh, playing again a couple of roles, mostly as a defensive midfielder, but sometimes uh, pushing up a bit. And yeah, look. Let's see how he goes on at Standard, who I think are also looking for a manager. 
unless they have appointed someone and I have missed it. But obviously, Ronnie Dyla left, so it's uh, not, not fully clear how exactly they will play. But always nice to have a player of Aidan O'Neill's talents. So let's see how that goes. Uh, another midfielder moving was Usam Awar to Roma on a free, which uh, is again a very nice move. I think Awar not really getting that much game time at Lyon this year. Obviously, I think one or two seasons ago, he was super impressive and being linked with all sorts of clubs, uh, all sorts of big clubs rather in Europe. But this season, he's only started 10 games for, for Lyon, who obviously have tons of talents as ever. But altogether, he has 233 appearances for them. And obviously, he's a very, very, on his day, certainly a very, very talented attacking midfielder who can make things happen, you know, super creator, great ball control, great technique, great ability to receive between the lines and sort of play on on the turn and obviously, as I said, brilliant creator. So, let's see how he goes uh, at Roma. Very interesting to see how he fits there, perhaps with Paolo Dybala uh, in, in, in the fray as well. Um, so, yeah, a, f- a free transfer there. And inter- interestingly enough, he was already speaking Italian in his first interview with them. So, I suppose this one has been brewing for a while. They've been probably uh, ready to make this happen uh, for at least a few months, I guess, if he's been learning that well. But yeah, let's see how that goes then. And we also had an interesting one. Ryan Kent uh, leaving Rangers for Fenerbahce. Uh, Again, (laughs) obviously you have the Super League transfers, uh, which always catch your eye. Uh, Ryan Kent is a really interesting one. Uh, Fenerbahce's current squad, if you look at it, they they do have a, a couple of wingers, but not really anyone who's sort of a pure dribbler uh, in in the way can can be. He can I think really take on players from what I've seen, and it's so yeah, it's a, an interesting profile to um, to this uh Fenerbahce squad who do who do try tend to rather use their wingers out wide so I think that if, if they do play as they have done this year under Jorge Jesus again I do think there is something for Kent in the system on the left where I do think he could impress a fair bit obviously 26 years old so you know about around his prime and yeah it's, I think he should do quite well for them so let's see if he can help them get their first league title in a decade, which is what they'll be chasing next year. And lastly, let's also conclude on a winger transfer. Uh, Yankuba Minte has, after much speculation uh, and much reporting to this effect, left uh, Odense for Newcastle United. Where it's, I mean, it's a very good, he's a very good player, so it's a very good move uh, from them. And we can already see they're not only using their uh, immense capital to buy players who will be immediately impactful, but they're already planning ahead. They've obviously got Garang Kual as well from the winter, I think. And now Yankuba Minter is 18 years old, Gambian winger, uh, really broke through at Odense this season. Uh, mostly, mostly making cam, well, not mostly, but making a fair few cameo appearances from the bench and then starting to sort of start more games because he just looks so impressive. He's a fantastic dribbler. Um, he, he can, yeah, he can make any defender look really silly, um, and and to add to that, he's got some recent Anprak too. I think uh, four goals and four assists in the Super League, uh, Super League rather this season, and and yeah, I think from what we've seen for an eighteen-year-old, he's shown great decision making, 
uh, in, in the final third and in danger areas as well. So really good signing for Newcastle. He'll be off to Feyenoord on loan. So very good for them as well for the upcoming season. And yeah, let's see how uh, that goes. And I suppose Newcastle will hope to have him in their squad in a few couple of years' time. And I think if you want a comparison from someone in their squad, it's obviously a very easy one. Alan said Maximan, but obviously Minte more of a right-winger. And already, I might argue, uh, was better than Brock, perhaps. But yeah, let's see how, how that goes. And yeah, last bit of transfer news, I just remembered. We mentioned this last week, I think. Peter Bosch to PSV was being speculated. It has happened. He has signed, or he's been confirmed rather, the new PSV coach. Uh, obviously, Rudman Nistelroy left before the end of the season, surprisingly, resigned. Uh, citing lack of support from the board and lack of trust and all that sort of stuff. A lack of support from the squad even, perhaps. So, I don't know what happened there. But yeah, Peter Bosch. Um, I think Alex made his thoughts clear on that uh, last week. And I too have made my thoughts clear on him. Very exciting manager for neutral because he'll, co- he'll cook up a lovely attack. And he'll forget about the defense completely. So, you get all sorts of chaotic anti-hide games with him. Uh, so I will be watching. I will be watching PSV next season, and I highly encourage you to do so as well. Let's see where uh, what he does. Anyway, that's that for this week. That marks the end, I think, of the Frantic Football Podcast in the 2022-23 season. I know we have a few internationals up. We do, in fact, uh, among some club games, have the Segunda División promotion player final second leg next weekend. Alaves Levante goal is from the first leg here. But I will be taking a week off because, as I said, I am tired. Uh, so I'll probably see you on not this, but the next Friday, which is the 23rd. Um, and yeah, until then, there's international football, there's Nations League finals, there's the Euro qualifiers, which we will probably quickly mention then. And obviously, there'll be tons of transfers as well. But I will be taking a very well deserved week off if I do say so myself. Uh, and and yes, I'll catch you in about 10 odd days. So well, have, a, have a good time till then. Enjoy the football if, if that's your thing or enjoy some time off uh, if, if you want to do that. And yep, we'll be back soon. Obviously, as I say, we'll, we'll talk through all the internationals then, all the transfers. And obviously, throughout the summer, we have a bunch of summer leagues, which we love to keep us busy. So don't mind, the podcast not going anywhere. Uh, just taking a week off. So see you after that. Uh, Enjoy till then. Thank you very much for listening, of course, and take care. Bye-bye.